Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. Thank you very much for, for subscribing once again. You can subscribe via iTunes and Spotify. I'm Luke Edwards and joining me to review the action over the past week or so from the National League and the FA Trophy and also a little dip into step three as well. It is Tom Lang. Hello, Tom. You all right, Luke? How's it going? I'm good, thank you. And live from a hotel in Essex, it's Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Hello there, Luke. And nice to speak to you again. We've also got Rob Worrell on the line. Yeah, hi, Luke. Before the show, I always try and write out a script. And it's been impossible. Well, it's not impossible, but I just feel like I've been writing it forever with what's happening. We'll head back to midweek, first of all. Rob caught up with Damien Lathrop. And if you're wondering who that is, of course, he played for Woking last year. He picked up a really bad leg break uh, against Boreham Wood, which ultimately ended his career. And he went down to Aldershot versus Leighton Orient on Tuesday night. So Rob caught up and had a little chat with him. Here's what he had to say. Right, a little bit of a different feature here for the podcast this week. I've got somebody alongside me prior to the Orient game at Aldershot who has played for Woking and for Torquay and for Aldershot. Any other up in uh, Norwich? But they're not non-league, so we don't, they don't count for us. But no, I'm only kidding. Um, it's uh, Damon Lathrope. Damon, as many of you will know, and some of you might not, had a career-ending injury in February 2018 playing for Woking against Boreham Wood and uh, my goodness me what an inspiring character he is Damon um, we're just over a year on and I think I saw from your Twitter uh, or your tweet the other day that it's nine operations isn't it in in almost in a year I, uh, I think it's actually ten. Ten. Yeah, ten yeah I think I've got one more minor operation to come and then touch wood that'll be me that'll be me done on the operation front and um, you know the first thing listeners that I noticed when Damon uh, bounced into the media box literally this evening it's the sparkle in his eye and the smile on his face and um it's been a really eye-opening year and a really rewarding year for you as well damon explain to the listeners why yeah it was um completely come out of the blue and um you can't prepare yourself for an incident like that um as much as you try and prepare for life after football you consider it um when it's thrown upon you um that soon and that abrupt um you never quite know how you're going to deal with it to be honest um, my worry was um, how am I going to get that the buzz and the feeling um, that I got every Saturday because football has never ever been a chore for me I love it I love every love every day training love every match day the worry of lo- me losing my purpose um, but the biggest thing that um, this year has highlighted to me is that I don't have to be on the football pitch I'm not going to I don't define myself as Damon the footballer um, anymore, I realise I can impact more lives um, and more people, footballers, and um, everyone else, just with just by being me and approaching um, my rehab and my life and the way my mentality works daily. Um, and that again, that's given me more satisfaction than I think anything I achieved in football. What a fantastic um, example, Damon is really. Um, any players uh, listening to this that are out with injury at the minute it's uh, a long hard road but the key thing really is the, is the mentality isn't it the positivity and the focus whatever the goal is and as you've realised it, it might not be the goal you originally thought it was yeah no definitely um, 
my situation was I, I knew pretty early on um, football was not a realistic goal to come back to but my wife was pregnant at the time um, what bigger reason for me to get fit and healthy and as mobile as possible because I had my second child um, on the way so it, uh, for me it's finding that why finding um, a big enough why to um, really push yourself get as best out of a bad situation as you can um, and just focus on the positives like I say all the time it would have been easy to feel sorry for myself and focus on what I can't do. Um, my, my, my mindset from right from day one was what I can do and what I can do going forward and how close I can get to where I want to be. Fantastic. You're doing some coaching now, aren't you, already? Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, it was. I, I thought it would be a natural progression for me after playing. Obviously, I'm quite limited at the moment, um, mobility-wise. Um, but I'm, I'm coaching um, under 16s uh, down at Stevenage which is really good they've been really good to me mm. um, it's right on my doorstep which is ideal because I couldn't drive for ages as well um, but no I'm really enjoying um, having an impact on young future careers uh, I'm not the best coach I'm not claiming I'm the best coach at the moment no. I'm nowhere near where I want to be but I know I can add value to their, yeah. um, their development especially at that age final question from me with all that focus on recovery and on the coaching and on the new baby do you find yourself taking much note of the level of football that you were playing at uh, before it all ended for you um, or is that well down the pecking order for you now I love football I weren't sure whether it'd be sore for me to um, go back to games or back to places I used to play um, but honestly it isn't um, I want to be as involved in football as I can and if that's not out there playing on a pitch it's going to be um, on the sidelines so my love for the game's not changed it's just coming from a different aspect now different the other side of the line um, so no I, I don't I must admit I am a lot busier now yeah. um, you, you do take it for granted when you're doing the, the hours of a professional footballer um, so yeah time is of a premium at the moment but Every single Saturday, without a shadow of a doubt, I've got my four or five teams that are check the team, check the fixtures, yeah. check the league. Um, so, yeah, that don't change. I've, I've always had a, a great connection with all the clubs I've, uh, I've played for personally. And they've been great to me through this whole process. So, yeah, I won't stop supporting them, that's for sure. So, Rob, you caught up with Damien Lathrope on Tuesday. And it was an in really interesting interview. It basically, what's happened in the past with his leg break and stuff, it's like he's put it in a box and moved on and kept himself really positive over it. Yeah, amazing uh, power of positivity, really. And I, and I thought it would make a really interesting chat because, you know, we do so many talks about clubs, about teams, about emotions, relegations, you know, etc. But this is something different. Uh, but I think a lot of people that have played football and had serious injuries and possibly even a few players that might listen to this that are out at the moment, it will give them some real belief and, and a realisation that, that, that life is so much more than just football. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm just so, so impressed with the attitude of the guy. Leighton Orient weren't in league action yesterday because they were playing in the first leg of the FA Trophy semi-final and they played against AFC Telford. And, well, we've got a man perfectly placed to tell us all about it yesterday. And, and, and Rich, uh, you must have been quite happy... But, we, we spoke last week to say so long as you're in the tie after the first leg, you'd be happy. And you are, despite losing. Yeah, I think I, 
it's it played out really very much the way we spoke about it last week. Um, I think Telford went there and tried to be positive. They didn't go and try and um, park the bus. And, and in the first half, they did have some opportunities. But then when um, Macaulay Bond put Lake Dory into the lead in the second half, you started to see a little bit more of their quality. Um, and from that point onwards, I wouldn't exactly say we were hanging on, but Telford had to show a little bit of, little bit of grit, a little bit of steel. And, and they did so and got it through to, to 90 minutes at 1-0. And I know Gavin Cowan, I spoke to him after the game, and, and he said the aim was to, well, the minimum aim after yesterday's game was to still be in the tie. And they are. So, yeah, they, they, they've kept it alive and, and they've got a chance next week at the new book's head. Beautiful pies next week now, Rich, isn't it? I mean, the new book's head will be rocking next week. Yeah, I, I very much hope so. I think um, from, a, from a home fans' point of view, I think probably a few locals might have just been holding off to wait and see how, how the tie was poised before you know uh, buying their tickets for next week. But at 1-0, there's certainly every reason to, to, to come out and get behind Telford next week. An early goal for Telford and, and, and taking it back to level on aggregate with the rest of the game to play for would, would give them a big advantage, I think. And Tom, good to see Macaulay Bomb back on the score sheet. Yeah, it's been a little while, um, you know, since he's really been in good form. The the goal scorers charts, he was neck and neck with Danny Rowe for a long period of time, wasn't he? But he finds himself five behind now. He's been overtaken by Paul McCallum as well. You know, and without a doubt, Macaulay Bond is a very good striker at this level. Um, he's got a lot of physical attributes that, um, you know, most teams would die to have up front. But I think a large element of how he is such a consistent goal scorer is the supply lines that he gets. Um, he reminds me a bit of Bruno Andrade in that he's, he's not quite such a consistent finisher as the likes of Danny Rowe. Um, I think AFC Fahr, for example, are a much more solid setup than Leighton Orient and they, they rely on having a guy who will put the ball in the net more times than he'll miss, um, which Bond, Bond just isn't that player. So, yeah, nice to see him getting a goal yet late, uh, yesterday. Hopefully he can push on for the rest of the season and uh, fire Leighton Orient so they can keep that title race going right to the end of the season. In the other FA Trophy semi-final tight finish, filed nil, Stockport nil, and both managers were bemoaning the conditions. It kind of dictated a little bit heavy wind and heavy rain up there on the filed coast. Jim Gannon said they deserved at least what they got, which was a nil-nil draw, and that they expended a lot of energy, which he may well be worried about next weekend. And, and Dave Challoner, he said with the conditions, he would, he would have taken a clean sheet at the start and to still be in the tie. Again, another tie that's... Um, Finally balanced, Rich, and I'm sure Chris will be looking forward to next week. Yeah, I'm sure he will, and I'm sure Edgley Park will be uh, absolutely rocking again next week with um, with the potential for a, a Wembley visit for Stockport there. But, um, you know, it, it's a really, really good result to go to, to Fylde, a team in the top six in the National League, and, 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 and come away with a goalless draw. And um, both ties are really, really evenly poised now. I was only thinking about that Stockport file game and thinking, well, does that put Stockport in the driving seat now? Um, and you would think perhaps potentially it did, but in the previous round, I know Maidstone, a, a team that are towards the bottom end of the National League, got a draw at Edgeley Park um, before losing in a replay. So, you know, it's not as clear cut as that. So, um, yeah, all eyes on next weekend. It'd be fascinating stuff. Yeah, you'd think home advantage would work in Stockport's favour, but I think like uh, like Jim Gannon said, it's a one-off. It's almost like a one-off cup game now, isn't it? You know, because it's nil-nil. They've got the first leg out of the way and it's winner-takes-all. Yeah, it is now. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it almost... It is like a one-off game, and going—I mean, going into this weekend as a as a follower of Telford, it was a bit of a weird one because you're thinking, well, two legs—it's not a format that we play very often. How do you approach this? Um, a nil-nil for 
this leg effectively takes it back down to the status of any tie up to this stage in the competition. It's a one-off game, winner takes all, and yeah, Stockport will fancy their chances, I'm sure. Tom, how, how do you see that, Tom? I mean, it'd be a hostile atmosphere in Stockport County, but Fylde might relish it, might he? You know, going there, being not underdogs as such, but being outnumbered in terms of support, and the pressure might be off on them a little bit. Uh, yeah, potentially. Um, I think, in terms of Fylde, there's there's two reasons why. One, why I think they won't necessarily be intimidated, and one, why I think they've got to not be intimidated. Um, first off, they're not gonna they're not gonna really let Stockport take the underdog role. Um, because they've only recently come from that level themselves. Stockport, as you know, as we all know, a massive fan base, massive club for this level. But also, I think Fylde will take this as an opportunity to really demonstrate that these sort of stadiums, these sort of crowds, that's the level we want to be playing at week in, week out. They've made no secret they want to get promoted. They want to be a football league club. And going to places like a Rocking Edgley Park is exactly the sort of thing you've got to be able to do to stake a claim to be a League Two club. Looking at the National League now, Wrexham, they missed a chance to... As we said, Leighton Orient leapfrogged them on Tuesday evening, coupled with a 3-1 defeat at home to Barrow, which warranted no excuses from Brian Hughes. Uh, but they did bounce back on Saturday with a 1-0 win over Maidstone, didn't they, Robin? And Wrexham needed that after a couple of shaky results. Yeah, they needed it. I thought they'd get it. I do a prediction competition with a friend, and uh, I went to the obligatory Wrexham 1-0 home win yesterday, and it came in. Not too surprising in that respect. A lot of people would have been shocked by the Barrow scoreline, but my goodness me, they are the team of the month That right now. They just go on and on. They're relentless under uh, Ian Everett. I spoke to him a week or so ago, didn't I, after the late, late win against Aldershot. And since then, they've gone to, to Wrexham and won. Um, and then they've gone to Eastley in the same week. That's a lot of travelling. Um, and, and Wrexham obviously challenging for the title. Eastley, one of the form sides of the division. Uh, and they come away from there with a 1-0 win. So, for me, brilliant from Barrow. Wrexham, they keep themselves in the picture. I think it's so tight to call the title race. Um, I really do. Nobody's making a clear-cut case for why it will be them. But Wrexham, yeah, all about getting the three points at this stage. Yeah, and it well, as I say, despite Lake Norrie not playing on Saturday, they still stay top, and it's uh, it's been quite a good week for Justin Edinburgh's men, regardless of uh, what competition they've been in. Quite good, yeah, but there was a point when they were four points clear, I think, and now it's goal difference, isn't it? So, uh, you know, they'll have obviously a game in hand now, regardless of who anybody wants to win this title and whoever they think they will. I think there's the biggest indication ever now, as we are mid-March and nobody's breaking clear. In almost every year that I can think back, somebody by this stage has broken clear, haven't they? Seven, eight, ten points clear. Uh, this could be what they call a blanket finish, couldn't it? I mean, wouldn't it be fantastic for an already brilliant league if it does go right down to the wire in the final day? Yeah, we did mention it last week. I think everybody would want that. The, the, the TV, the press, wouldn't they? The, the, the papers, us, uh, for it to be go down to the wire, really. Uh, Solihull, they won't go away either, will they, Robin? Nathan Blissett scored again as Solihull beat Gateshead on Tuesday and then they followed it up with a 2-1 win over Braintree and uh, they're, they're, like you say, they're skulking late in only second on goal difference. Yeah, they really are relentless and, uh, you know, after their own setback a week ago, two home games, six points, a massive response from Tim Flowers' men and uh, they went behind to Braintree 
Braintree almost sort of free hits for them right now, isn't it? Everybody's written them off. Uh, a stunning 3-0 away win for them in the week, Braintree, which made, which made everybody sit up and take notice. And they took the lead again against Solihull. So they had to do it the hard way yesterday, coming from behind. And they're very much in the picture. Yeah, I, I, I think right now, for me personally, it's a four-horse race, but it could be a five- or six-horse one because a couple of teams we're yet to come on to, Fylde and Harrogate, cannot be written off yet. They are very, very capable of re- you know, just putting the wins back-to-back. They're dogged. They used to be an up-the-top end. They used to win it. So it could be four-, five-, or six-horse race yet. Yeah, funny you mention that, Rob. Fylde and Harrogate both have two games in hand on Wrexham, so they can make up the points difference that way. And a team who were just behind Wrexham, who were three points behind in fourth position of Salford sitting. You saw them on Saturday down at Aldershot. Yeah, it's really interesting to watch Dorian and Salford a few days apart. What I will say is, one of the reasons it's so hard to predict who's going to win this league is because it's very, very competitive match in, match out. You've seen that the bottom team, Braintree, can go and win 3-0 away from home. Um, I don't think I'm exaggerating at all to say in the second half, both Salford and Leighton Orient were hanging on to their slender one-goal margin of the lead against uh, Aldershot. They both did it, and they're admirable qualities. The ability to stay in the game when you're under pressure and Leighton Orient in particular really, really showed up well in that respect. But let me tell you what impressed me about Salford yesterday. I was really worried going into the game from an Aldershot point of view. They concede a lot from set pieces and you've got the man in the league that's probably the most prolific from them, Carl Piergiani. I was convinced he'd score a header from a corner or a free kick yesterday. He didn't. But he really impressed me in other ways. I completely agree with the non-league papers that Dave Richardson, who gave Pierre Gianni the man of the match, he showed his defensive qualities yesterday. He showed his nous, his positional sense, his strength. He's a leader, isn't he, Rob? He is a leader. He, he, he leads by example. And uh, it was a more disciplined performance from Salford yesterday. They, they allowed, it was a game really dominated by the wind. It was blowing straight down from the high street and down towards the East Bank. And both teams played so much better against the wind. Salford dominated the first half. Aldershot probably shaded the second half, but uh, crucially, they didn't score. And that's what got me to thinking. You know, I think all the teams, Wrexham, Solihull, Leighton Orient and Salford, are all pretty dogged defensively. They've got strength, experience now, so I don't... I think they can stay in games. So I think what's ultimately going to decide the title race is the goal scoring prowess. And here's where I have a question mark about my original tip, Salford. They've definitely got the attacking option, but I think the goal for Macaulay Bond for Leighton Orient in the FA Trophy yesterday was key. Because if Orient are going to do it, Bond is going to need to start scoring regularly again. And that really got the monkey off his back yesterday. I can't give you a name, Luke. I can't pick one team right now. I don't think it'll be Wrexham. And probably, points-wise, it probably won't be Fylde or Harrogate. You can't write them off. If you force me for an opinion right now, I'd have to look between those three. uh, Leighton Orient, Salford and 
and Solly It's all right, Rob. I've not got a gun to your head. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good job, because that's not an opinion, is it? That's three teams still. <laughs> exactly. No, no. I mean, I'm not sitting on the fence. I am saying I can't build a clear-cut case for any of them. But I do think this, it will come down to the team that scores the most freely over the remaining games of the season. And they're all going to be games racked with tension, aren't they? It's who still does it under pressure. I think that's the key there, guys, isn't it? I'll bring you two guys in, Tom and Tom and Dickie, on this. In terms of, it's not necessarily about the best team now, is it? It's, it's more about grinding the results out. It's not about how you play, it's just getting over that line, isn't it? I think it is very much so. Um, I can see from Orient, from watching them yesterday, that you know they've got... If, if I was being judgmental and I've only seen them both once each, I think Orient play better football than Solihull Moors, but is that necessarily what gets you over the line? You know, Solihull, uh, big, awkward, difficult to play against and look like they can grind out results. And sometimes that that's what gets you over the line. Um, so I agree that it isn't necessarily about who's the best footballing team at this stage of the season. It's about whose resolve is the strongest. And, you know, who would have expected Solihull? almost to be up there not very many people and, and that plays to their advantage because they've got absolutely nothing to lose whereas Lake Norian big hitters uh, even at this level and, and there is a level of expectation there so it's it's how well they cope with that level of expectation Yeah and, and the other element to it as well I mean you talk about attitude is going to be a crucial factor going into the end of the season as the games get tougher you know as Rob rightly points out um, and that, all, that attitude will derive from the leadership at the club um, and there's three sides there in Leighton Orient, Solihull Moors, Salford City, all their managers are seriously experienced top top flight players um, who've got a lot of nous in grinding out results when the going gets tough. Justin Edinburgh, Tim Flowers and uh, Graham Alexander have all played football at the very top levels. And they will, I don't think any of them will fail to be able to eke out the best of performances as you get towards the end of the season. So even when you look upstairs in, in, the, uh, in the managerial rooms, it's difficult to really see a major differential in there. Um, so, yeah, whilst I, I take, take the mick out of Rob for not being willing to give an opinion, it's it's just really... You're not giving one either, then. <laughs> take the mick out of Rob, but I'm not giving one either. <laughs> well, exactly. Take your numbers. <laughs> How's that fence, Tom? Sore. <laughs> you mentioned Barrow before, Rob, and, and they are team of the week, never mind team of the day. Uh, did... As I say, they went to they went to Wrexham, upset the odds three one, and then they went and upset the Apple Cart again in the playoff race by winning one 0 easily. They're probably too far behind to maybe get into the playoffs, but they're certainly shaking it up up there, aren't they? Yeah, they have only got seven games left, Barrow, but I just think it's an incredible triumph for management. You know, Barrow, as, as, as I put to Ian ever a week ago, uh, they're not looking over their shoulders, which is fantastic. But you could almost forgive them, uh, football in uh, analogy, you know, being on the beach already, Barrow, because they, you know, you've got to look, you've got to say nine points in a week. Prior to that, you'd absolutely say no chance at all of getting in the playoffs. And it's a very slim one now. You know, they are uh, nine points off, you know, with only seven games left. That's a big gap to make up. Uh, trust me, I know, because I'm looking at a 10 point gap at <laughs> uh, the <laughs> other end of the table. And, um, yeah, it's beyond the but fantastic that, that he's really got them motivated, he's really got them clicked into gear. And yeah, definitely the team of the week, Barrow, yeah. 
Wrexham's not a longest trip for Barrow, but Eastleigh is. So to have two away games in a week and come away with six points, only conceding one goal as well, they must be absolutely chuffed to bits with that. 100%. That's a hell of a lot of travelling to be doing in the space of a week. Um, and I've seen it on Twitter before with players, uh, particularly from the Northwest clubs, when they have you know games in Essex and Kent in consecutive days, in consecutive fixes rather. Um, and I think it just it almost builds like a bit of solidarity with the team. There's obviously negatives to spending all that time on the coach in the space of one week, but these are full-time clubs um, and full-time players. They are bonding on that coach, so there's an element of the strength that that can provide, and you know, almost a bit of a siege mentality. Yeah, Ian Everett as well. He's been linked with the, the vacant Rochdale job as well, and be interesting to see um, if he goes. I know on the Barrow Forum they're really they're really worried about him uh, leaving there. Um, some would some won't begrudge him at all because he's done a good job and he deserves to go higher and. Some said, well, he's still got a job to do here. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out as well, Rob. I mean, I know you spoke to him last week. Is there any sort of inkling that Rochdale could come in and, and, and poach him? I think what it really comes down to, I mean, obviously it's Rochdale's decision if they go for him. But in terms of from his point of view, if Rochdale come knocking, you know, what he's going to look at is, is there more potential still at Barrow? And he did say, I'm pretty sure he said in that interview, he doesn't see any reason why they can't be a top six side last year. So it depends really um, how much he truly believes that. And if deep down behind all that, he thinks, do you know what? I've probably done the best I can with Barrow to finish 11th, 10th, 9th, whatever, you know, however they finish. Um, then he might well be uh, lured by the challenge of Rochdale. Obviously, he's clearly an ambitious manager. And we've all played champ manager boys or football manager, haven't we? At the end of the day, there comes a time when you feel you've taken your team as far as they can go and you're almost looking for that offer for the right sort of club that can take you to the next level. (laughs) It's not real, Rob. You do know that. (laughs) Yeah, it's topical. The reason I mentioned it is because Jurgen Klopp's got a thing about it. He's mentioned it in a couple of interviews now. Yeah. When he gets criticised, he says, "Look, guys, this isn't football manager or whatever. You know, you can't just say, right, we're gonna we're gonna attack today or we're gonna defend. It, it needs everything every week." Yeah. No, definitely no. I agree with you in that. Good, good to chuck a football manager analogy in there. I know, I know um, some people from SI Games do listen sometimes, so yeah, uh, good little plug there for that. Most surprising result during the week was Braintree winning at Sutton United, and it looked like Ollie had got Sutton into another fine mess as they put Gateshead 2-0 up down at Gander Green Lane, but it was an amazing comeback culminated with a winner uh, for Dean Beckwith and, and that was massive for Sutton because Tom it looked like um, the wheels had come off from and they were kind of just meandering towards the end of the season really After the last couple of seasons we've maybe allowed ourselves to believe that Sutton should be competing towards the top end of the table but let's not forget this is a club who are probably in the smaller end of the spectrum for National League teams but um, if yesterday's result had gone the other way they'd find themselves 8 points off the playoffs with only uh, 7 games left to play as it is, they're still only four points off. They're within touch. And I think you're absolutely right. The word, the word meandering is spot on. And they're sort of drifting into a boring end to the season. You know, a couple of wins here, a couple of losses there. Dean Beckwith scored twice yesterday, which is, which is great for him, obviously. But the two scorers that I'm most interested from yesterday were uh, Dylan Kearney and James Dobson. Still Slough Town's top scorer, um, despite leaving about two months ago. But the, the person who... You know, if we're saying that Barrows is the team performance of the week, I think this guy's got to be a shout for the individual performance of the week. Dylan Kearney, 18 goals for Harrow Borough in the Southern League Premier. 
got his first start for Sutton United yesterday, scored, got two assists and picked up man of the match. So um, that's got to be right up there for first for best full debuts. Not bad. Uh, he's taking this, this National League, uh, like, it's, it's easy, isn't it, for him? I mean, have you seen enough of him at Harrowborough, Tom, to know he can make the step up? You know I've, I've actually never seen him play in the flesh, um, but in a good Harrowborough team, he did stand out in terms of stats. I, I, I watched Harrowborough the week after he left, and they were pretty disconsolate, to be honest. You know, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. The mood around Harrowborough was... Oh, why is he leaving us to go and sit on the bench at Sutton United? He's not going to start. Well, if he can um, you know, contribute directly to three goals every game, I don't think he'll be spending much time on the bench at all. <laughs> no, definitely not. Haren, they, they'll have had a, a frustrating week, Rob. They beat Dagenham and Redbridge comfortably by three goals to nil, but couldn't take advantage when they hosted fellow strugglers Chesterfield on Saturday. They went down 2-1 with a Scott Bowden 93rd-minute penalty. Um and a really good result for Chesterfield. That probably one more win will see them safe, but for having a missed opportunity for them. Yeah, I mean, more and more, it's a current bottom four. is most likely to be the, uh, the finishing bottom four. A good win in the week for having, um, and they are still scoring goals, which is a vital component you're going to need if you're going to avoid relegation. And they took the lead, and having taken the lead, it would have been heartbreaking to have lost to a late, late goal. Uh, I'm not sure whether Chesterfield or Sutton have scored the most goals in the last five minutes this season, but the two of them combined have probably scored as many goals in the last five minutes as the rest of the teams in the league put together. Uh, heartbreak for Haven, but interesting to see that a uh, friend of the show, Jeff Brazier, was there yesterday and uh, he uh, recorded a little bit to camera after that game yesterday, just saying how much he'd enjoyed his, his, his day there and how... He, he can see a way that Haven can uh, still survive this season. They've got a much better chance of doing so than Aldershot. Yeah, he was, he was uh, auditioning for Peaky Blinders in that video as well, wasn't he, with his flat cap on and everything. He did look like really... Well, he did look like he was from Essex yesterday, didn't he? <laughs> Just quickly, talking of Scott Bowden, there was some talk on the Chesterfield Forum this week that has he been worth bringing back? Well, that goal he scored yesterday will have been worth his weight in gold. I think they're expecting Scott Bowden to come in and score about 15 goals in the 10 games he's been there. But he's chipped away, hasn't he, Rob? And um, it'll be a vital signing for him. Not just for the rest of the season, but going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm amazed that that's up for debate. He scored as regularly as any other Chesterfield player all season. Uh, and I was updating my scorer's sheet earlier, and Tom can probably confirm this, but I think across the two clubs, the two goal, uh, you know, the, the goal yesterday takes him up to, or uh, well, the two goals in a week, I think it either takes him to 18 or 20 for the season. So he's right up there, Scott Bonin, and uh, he's been pivotal as well. His uh, return to the club has pretty much been alongside Chesterfield's upturn in form, along with the more obvious... Uh, factor of uh, John Sheridan coming back. Just on Scott Bowden, I, I only keep league goals, but in the league across both clubs he scored 17. But you know they say they might have expected him to get 15. He's only been there for 10 games and he's already their top scorer for the season. So I don't really know how much more you can expect from a player, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I was just using 15 as a, as a, as a general figure, but I think the, the feel he should be scoring a lot more. But like somebody else pointed out on there, he's been contributing as well with assists as well as goals. So, he's, he's, yeah, he's definitely an asset to Chesterfield. Just to say, do, massive win for Dover, 2-1 over Halifax, a narrow win. Again, that's, that's pulled them above Barnet now, who, who, are one point, who are one place above the relegation zone, albeit four points clear of haven't. And just above that, you got Maidenhead and Boreham Wood, Rob. The win for Dodie was significant as they picked up three points on the other side. 
around and below them didn't. Um, so massive win for Dover. Two teams there in Maidenhead and Borehamwood who you would think, particularly after Maidenhead's recent run, would, would have been safe. But they've had a poor week, Maidenhead. Two defeats, albeit both away from home, but without scoring. And just as you thought they were safe, they're not out of it. And Borehamwood, well, they haven't been in great form for a long while, have they? And they're just a, a, a couple of good wins short still of, of, of a bit of natural breathing space. I do feel 50 points will be enough, but I think it's uh, probably a question now in the bottom four of Havant and Aldershot going, going, and Maidstone and Braintree gone, gone. You're in the bottom four. You've got to put together a couple of wins on the bounce. And looking at the, uh, looking at the form tables... The bottom four are currently in the bottom five for form across the last eight games. If you're not going to start, you know, building any sort of consistency, you're going to go down if you're already in that position come uh, March. So I can 100% agree with Rob. Potentially one of those four could pull clear, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, they've all won one of the last five, so they basically won four between the four of them, which, as you say, is, isn't good enough in terms of form, is it, at the bottom? Absolutely not. No, Luke, probably the ones who'll be the most worried, ironically, even though they've still got 11 games left, is Barnet because uh, they're not really in any sort of form at all. I think they've had a couple of home games this week, and they've eked out a couple of draws. They might just dribble and squirm their way to safety with those uh, games in hand. But uh, if 50 points is the safety mark, there's still eight points from it. And uh, that can seem quite a gap when you're not winning games. Yeah, and I'll be down at Barnet in a week's time to, uh, well, funnily enough, to play in Aldershot, but I'll be there doing stuff for the podcast. We're going to look at the National League North now. Hi, everyone. I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League North, well, the weather's just disrupted the North this week. The two games that were scheduled to take place three midweek were called off. That was uh, Hereford against Brackley and Spennymoor against Geisley. And only three games survived on Saturday, but... Dickie, it was a massive day for Charlie. They, they did go ahead and they won 2-0 at Boston. Spennymore lost at Kidderminster. Kidderminster boosted their own playoff hopes. It dented Spennymore's title hopes. And, and Charlie, well, it was, it was a good day at the office for them. Yeah, yeah it was, largely speaking. Um, obviously, only three games went ahead. Um, and, and Charlie were able to take advantage of that by being one of the games that did. Got a 2-0 win away at Boston United. Oh, probably only the only black mark on that was they had Alex Newby sent off. There, there was one player from each side sent off, I think, in just in a spat, mm. just before the end of the first half over a, a penalty, which um, Adam Blakeman took. George Willis saved a little bit of a, a scuffle afterwards and both sides had a man sent off. Yeah. Alex Newby's really important for Chorley. He's added a lot of goals for them this season and, and he'll be a miss if that's a violent conduct Sending off, I think that's probably something like a three-game suspension. He will be a miss for them. But his swing brother, Elliot, stepped up, scored the second goal that made the game safe for them. Yeah, he got rid of one newbie, then uh, the other one will step up, as you say. Those pesky kids, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, elsewhere at the top, obviously, spending more. Their game at Kidderminster Harriers did go ahead. They'd have been disappointed to go down 2-1, two goals for Ashley Chambers from, for Kidderminster after Glenn Taylor had, had levelled it. Although I, I don't think it shows on um, the National League website at the moment. I think there was a sending off for spending more there as well. I think Rob Ramshaw was sent off um, after the game had actually concluded, whether that's something said to the referee, whether that's out of frustration. I'm not quite sure. We'll, we'll find out in due course. But, you know, that's a loss for them if, if Ramshaw's going to miss any games um, and obviously they've lost ground in the race now they've, they've still 
got games in hand on Stockport above the man on Chorley, but the gap's gone out to 10 points mm. to Chorley, with, um, and they've got two games in hand on them, and then it's six points now to Stockport. And all of a sudden, Brackley, we said last week, Brackley are, will probably be eyeing that third place. They're only three points behind, same number of games played, as are Bradford Park Avenue. So all of a sudden, um, you know, yeah, things change in the blink of an eye. And it's really important to get into that um, second and third spot because one, you miss out on the start of the extra playoff game and, and, and two, you're at home, aren't you? Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, looking, I mean, again, from my own personal perspective and when I've been looking at it from Telford, you've been looking and thinking, we just need to finish as high as possible. If you can skip that first round of, of playoff games, that's great. It gives you a little bit of, of rest before you do come into the playoffs. And that home advantage could be really, really important. I mean, Harrogate finished second last year. Missed out, didn't have to play in the first leg of the, uh, in the first round of the playoffs, and then were able to use the home advantage in what were effectively the semi-finals and the finals to get promotion. So yeah, it's it's a big deal. So you mentioned Telford there; they are in the last playoff spot, but Kidderminster only a point behind them. Albeit Telford have got a game in hand on them, and they'll probably have two games in hand. I mean, that was a big result for Kidderminster as well. Yeah, they're they're just one point behind. They they spoken about still fancying their chances of a playoff place and you know that that will give them encouragement that 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 possibility is still there open for them um only one other game in the north yesterday and that was Leamington uh, beating Southport I think that's just about finished Southport's chances of making the playoffs with a late run I know Liam Watson said he still thought they had a chance Mm. And as far as Leamington goes, I think that keeps them safely clear of uh, of the relegation trouble as well. So, um, yeah, not a lot happened yesterday. I think with with games not taking place, there was a chance for teams to put points on the board, and that's exactly what Chorley have done. So, has that handed them an advantage back over Stockport now? Well, we'll, we'll see in coming weeks. Yeah, Leamington, the, the, the 10 points clear of the relegation zone now. They, they have been on a really bad run, but I think that win yesterday will have just about seen them safe for another season. Yes, I think so. Um, and, you know, that's, they, they do exceptionally well on, on the resources that they have down there. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think I think they're safe now from that. They they, they, they they dropped down the table quite worryingly over the last few months, but we've just put a couple of results together recently, and I think they'll be OK. We'll move now on to the National League South. Hi, I'm Jay Robinson, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. There was a, a couple of games in midweek in the National League South. A 94th-minute winner by Harvey Bradbury at Oxford City put Woking back top. And Bath, they went third after beating Hampton and Richmond Borough. And... You'd expect Tom for Wilkin to follow that up, but it was a bit of a, a crazy game, wasn't it, against Willing? Two Thierry Ardell goals, which is rare for him, gave them the advantage initially. Then Christian Jolly pulled one back in and restored the lead. But a double from Alassane in the last 15 minutes drew Wilkin back level, which is a great comeback. But when you couple that with Torquay winning 2-0 versus Dartford, they'll see that as drop points after all the hard work they did on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and they should. Tuesday's result was a very... Very good one for them, but they were they very quickly went behind at Welling as well. Um, Aldell's goals were quite quick, I think. Yeah, fourteen and seventeen minutes. Thierry Aldell scored. Um, now I haven't seen these goals and I've not had the chance to read the NLP, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if both of those were headers. He's not renowned for um, being sort of a, the sort of defender who storms forward and lashes them in from thirty yards. No. Yeah, they've done well to come back from that. Uh, a ninetieth minute equaliser for Reese Alassani must have felt nice. I think that's his third goal since he's come in on loan from Coventry City. But a couple of points to, to take away from that game really. One is that Welling are actually the division's form side across the last six games. They've got fourteen points from a possible eighteen. As he has been with everything good this season, Brendan Kiernan's been sort of front and centre with that. Um he He's been at Hampton and Richmond Borough last season, but he, he decided to leave after Alan Dowson left. 
Uh, he wasn't one of the players that Alan Dowson took with him to Woking. So he's ended up at Welling and uh, he's got 12 goals already. He's got 12 goals this season. He's Welling's top scorer and he's been really influential for them. He's been a big reason for why they've managed to retain the stability after the money troubles that they've had over the last few months. Um, And that stability is something that isn't really there so much at Woking and possibly is an indicator as to why they keep sort of lurching around in the results they're getting. I looked at their team from yesterday, the team that finished the match from them. Across that side, Craig Ross, Musa Diara, Ben Gehring, Olamai Durajayi, Christian Jolly, Armani Little, Harvey Bradbury and Reese Alassani. None of them were first choice starters at the start of the season. Um, that's a big transition through a squad throughout a season. And that may be you know, one of the reasons why Woking do at times find it difficult to put consistent runs together. Torquay don't seem to find it so difficult. They beat uh, a good Dartford side 2-0 yesterday. Um, Dartford have really found their groove under Adam Flanagan and Jamie Coyle now after an initial difficult start to the season they're comfortably up in the playoff spots and they had only lost one in their last eight games so even at home considering that Kue Niate was sent off for Torquay Jamie Reid's uh, double putting him six goals clear at the top gives them an impressive result they're only one point behind Woking and they've got a game in hand so um, advantage Torquay in the title race Tom mentioned Thierry Ordell and his regular scoring from head as well Tom, his first goal against Woking yesterday was a header, but to give the man full credit, uh, his second goal was a brilliant volley from a pullback uh, from the byline, and uh, yeah, full credit to him, one header uh, and one flying volley. And just on that Woking and Torquay battle for the title race, interestingly boys, in three weeks time they'll play each other, It'll be interesting to see what the gap and what the differential is before and particularly after that game because it could it won't decide the title but it could go a long way towards doing so yeah definitely and what Wilkin did need that point as we say to keep them top but as you say Torquay a game in hand and a point behind in terms of the, the playoffs as well I mean Billy Ricky there Jake Robinson sent off as they lost at home to Slough and they stay three points clear of Essex rivals Concord in that last playoff place, but a bit of a blow for Billericay. And as you said, Dartford, they, they've suddenly come from nowhere to get in that playoff picture as well. Chelmsford, they've slipped. It's between third and seventh. You, you can't call it, can you? There's only four points separating them. No, you can't. It's, it's really tight, isn't it? You know, Rob's just sort of uh, wax lyrical rightly about the title race we've got in the, uh, in the top flight of non-league football. However, when you look at Woking and Torquay, Assuming that Torquay win their game in hand, which, you know, the, the form indicates they probably will, there'll be 11 points between second and third. So we talked briefly a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, about whether or not our, our assumption of a two-horse race was going to be too early. But I think we can, we can say pretty comfortably now the winner is going to be from one of those two teams. But absolutely right, that playoff, um, that playoff race is really hot. From Bath City in third down to St Albans in tenth, there's only eight points in it. Um, so anyone puts together two wins, two losses, and they can find themselves rapidly uh, rising up or dropping out of those playoffs. Yeah, and just talking of St Albans, uh, best wishes to Zane Banton. He suffered a bad injury yesterday in their nil-nil draw. So best wishes to him and hope he gets better soon. Uh, down at the bottom, though, Tom, vital wins for Hungerford and with Gloucester drawing and Easterwick losing. It means Hungerford leap into 20th place and are a point behind Gloucester. And just when we think... It's done and dusted the bottom three. One of those three teams goes and springs a surprise and it's back on again. It's really difficult to call, isn't it? Um, 
I think the fact that there there are only three teams that go down uh, adds adds a bit of interest to it as well because it, it's it's tight all the way down. I think anyone I, I've talked about them before. I've talked about Hampton and Richmond Borough. I've talked about Eastbourne Borough. Both of whom I think can get sucked in. Anyone from fifteenth down really could get sucked into one of those three uh, relegation spaces. Western Supermare seven points adrift with only uh, twenty one points to play for. That's a big ask to make up. However. All, all three of East Thurrock, Hungerford and Gloucester, who are probably your, your favourites to make up the last two, they keep occasionally churning out really good, really creditable wins. Whereas Truro City, they're out of form. Um, they are they are dropping down the league. They're 19th in the form table over the last 10. They suffered a really galling uh, 3-2 loss to Dulwich Hamlet yesterday, where there were three red cards. Um, Luke Bonadio got an 85th minute winner for Dulwich Hamlet after Conor Riley Lowe got an 80th minute equaliser for Truro. So that must have felt absolutely crushing for them. Um, and it'll just be really interesting to see how that uh, that bottom, that how the race to stay up will uh, will shape up. Yeah, really, really, really interesting. And again, an exciting end to the season, which is what we all want. Uh, any other results that caught your eye, Tom? Uh, yes, I think um, there's one more that really did catch my eye. Um, I'll just say uh, on a week when Marble Ekpateta got called up to the... Correction, when Marvin Ekpateta got called up to the England C squad, his brother... Marvel got the crucial second goal for Hungerford Town, which uh, so a good week for the Equiteta family. But the uh, the result which I really wanted to draw attention to in National League South uh, yesterday was Hampton and Richmond going down 4-1 at home to Concord Rangers. We expected big things from Concord over the summer. They spent a fair bit of money. They brought in some very good players, um, you know, the likes of Billy Knott, for example. And as we go towards the business end of the season, they're only three points off Billericay Town for the final playoff spot. That's after having had three points deducted for fielding an, el- an ineligible player. Um, and a 4-1 victory away at Hampton and Richmond Borough is certainly nothing to be sniffed at. A double for Jack Midson, a single for Daniel Green, and uh, a single for Juan Luque Prados. Um, Prados got a bit of an in- interesting story. A few years ago, one of the Haybridge Swifts players, uh, a Spanish lad, uh, Guillem Ramon, he introduced, introduced 21 players from Spain, Andorra and Argentina to Haybridge Swifts. Uh, and one of those was Luque, who who went from Haybridge Swift straight up to Lincoln City in League Two last season. He only managed one appearance, but he's back at Concord now in National League South, and he got his first goal yesterday to put the seal on that four-one victory for them. In terms of that three-point production, it, it, it could cost Concord that in the end. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of their goal difference, uh, Concord have got a much better goal difference than Billericay Town. They've got a much better goal difference than Dartford. Um, and they're three and four points respectively behind them. So exactly right, that three-point deduction. They will be ruining themselves to think that player administration could end up costing them the playoffs. And Rob, just a quick one as well. We mentioned about Dulwich Hamlet and um, an older shot player uh, who's out on loan at Dulwich player uh, at Dulwich Hamlet. Luke won a day. Oh, he he got the winner in the end. Yeah, pleased for Luke. Very pleased for Dulwich Hamlet as well. Listen, there's a long line of history of players that before they came to Aldershot and after they left Aldershot become prolific again. So don't even go there on that one with me. It's a really, really sore subject. Obviously, Wanadio hasn't left all the shot yet, but uh, being loaned out at the stage of the season he was, uh, I'd imagine that could well be the case. I'm really pleased for Dulwich Hamner. Interestingly, though, they've lost a 1,000 off the gate. Whether whether it was that uh, people think they're safe now or whether they just didn't want to spill their beer in all the wind. I think a big element for that loss of gate is Truro. Um, it's one of the... It's one of the most. Uh, it, it's one of the longest journeys in the National League South, so they won't have got many away fans there at all. And maybe the rugby as well. Although uh, I don't know if that's a moot point. I, 
I, I can't remember what time it kicked off, but uh, yeah, maybe leave that bit out, Luke. Sorry. I don't think there was any rugby this weekend, Rob. I don't think it happened. I think they called it off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think the first half was played, Tom, but it was called off in the second half. Yeah, we just called it quits after that, didn't we? Yeah, good. We're just going to have a quick chat about step three. So, North Ferriby, there was sad news out of North Ferriby this week. We had them on uh, just before Christmas talking about trying to save the club. They were trying to stop being moved to East Hull. Well, unfortunately, the... Um, they were folded this week by a high court. Action was taken against a debt for £7,000. But having spoken to some people there, the reality is the amount is probably ten times that. And they did tweet out saying, while we're absolutely blown away by all of your well wishes from former players, different clubs, and even from premiership footballers, thank you all so, so much. And Rich, it's, it's amazing. I haven't seen a reaction to this club before where... Even though they folded, nearly every National League club, National League North club, and Evo Stick club tweeted to say it was a favourite away day and how friendly the club was. And uh, it was an amazing uh, little club, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, um, the story of how North Ferriby sort of like rose to get into the National League and, and won the FA Trophy. Um, you, you know, you can't talk about that without the money that was was put in by um, the wealthy Alam family, ultimately the daughter of um, uh, Mr. Alam, who owns Hull City. But um, but yeah, you can have money and you can not do anything with it. And, and what North Ferriby did was was astonishing, really. And and it is very sad. You know, I think the the overriding impression I got when we went there last season and 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 they were bottom of the national league north table at that point was that you know there was a very dedicated group of people there who love their club in the same way that there are at clubs all over the country and yeah i'm sure they enjoyed that the ride they they'd had and going to wembley and and it's it's left to them now to pick up the pieces from this i i really really do hope they do because it's a, it is a smashing little club um, Ferriby's a lovely little place to visit as well mm. and they may point to the fact there's 85 years of history that have gone there we're not just this isn't just North Ferriby in the last few years there's been a club in the name of North Ferriby United for the last 85 years and, and for that not to be there anymore is um, you know it's a big loss for the community there as well You really enjoyed your trip to North Ferriby not just because it was a rare, it was an away win for Aldershot, which is, as we know, is as rare as a rocking horse droppings. But <laughs> I mean, just as we're saying, the whole the whole club, it's friendly, it's in, and everything like that, isn't it? It is, and and, and and they were so batting, you know, above their station. I think I've mixed my metaphors there, but um, you know, in the National League, to think that they were, you know, one division away from the Football League is quite incredible. I just think it's a it was just a lovely story. Uh, obviously the high side of the story the most picturesque ground with the church in the background and a friendly club you know where the uh, where the coach that drops the players off has to stop at the end of the road and they have to walk yeah. you know the last uh, couple of hundred yards or so um, yeah it was a, a specific lovely memory of one off game when Aldershot went there and won towards the end of the season uh, last time out but it's just so so sad to to hear. Nobody wants to see any club, the demise of any club, but uh, I think that's that's a club that caught the imagination of uh, all non-league followers when they were up in the National League. Our step three focus this week is on Whitby Town. I caught with Liam from Yorkshire Coast Radio. He commentates on Whitby Games and he gave me a bit more of a background on their season so far. So our step three focus this week is on uh, Whitby Town and I'm joined by Liam who does a commentary for Whitby Town on Yorkshire Coast Radio. Hello Liam. Hi there, Ma. So, so uh, been um, 
a bit of an up and down season for it, but you started off really well. You were up in the playoff places, then you had a massive slump, uh, looking towards the relegation places, covered in the last few weeks up in mid-table currently. Yeah, I mean, it's just been the start of our season, been inconsistency. Um, look across a lot of the results. I've had one win, one loss. We don't seem to draw many. Um, so that's been the main problem. I, mean, I haven't managed to string two consecutive wins since, I think it's October, after winning our first two. So uh, it's been a frustrating season, but um, at the same time, it's maybe what we can expect from Whitby Town at the moment. I was say it's a bit of an underachievement because um, last season you were close to the playoffs. I think you were even knocking last on the door and got in them. Yeah. Last season was a uh, missed out relegation just. The season before we uh, finished sixth, which was yeah. very good by our standards. Um, very similar team we've got now, to be honest. Quite a few players returning over the summer. So uh, exciting times ahead, potentially. Chris Hardy, a highly rated manager as well, that you've got. I've seen him with a few jobs. I know, uh, for example, when Darlington were looking for a manager, I was saying, get Chris Hardy from Whitby Town. You know, he can do. So he's. he's um, it's highly thought of any, not only at Whitby, but around the region in general. Yeah, definitely. And I think the job he's doing with Whitby is quite incredible, given the resources that we've got available. Obviously, he made the step from Gisborough, um, so he's, and it was quite a big jump for him to come to Whitby Town, but I think he's doing an excellent job with the club, and I can see why other clubs would you know, take the fancy on him. Is there a, is this Whitby Town's level, or did, did he feel they could maybe go up to Nationally North? Because the potential's there to get decent crowds. I mean, we saw it against Scarborough earlier in the season as well, when everyone came out in force, and, and I suppose if you get on a good run and get promoted, could you actually, do you feel like you could cope in a National League now? Um, it'd be tough, certainly, and a lot of people have described us as already punching above our weights in the league we're currently in, but um, I think it's doable, and a lot of stuff going on in the background that's positive moving forward, so yeah. uh, hopefully we could you know, perhaps get a promotion season in the near future and uh, be interested to see how we did get on. Brilliant. Well, um, best of luck for the rest of the season, Liam, and um, thank you for joining us. That is all for this week's podcast. Rob, thanks for joining us. Yeah, pleasure as always, Luke. And uh, Tom, thanks again for joining us, and uh, enjoy your weeks, guys. Cheers, Luke. You too. And don't, don't forget, we have got a special podcast coming out around Wednesday or Thursday of this week. Uh, all around the England Sea setup. we're going to go down to the game against Wales on Tuesday down at Salford City. Me and Chris will be there and we'll try and grab as many people as we can and get, just give you a flavour of the game itself, the pre-match build-up, the game itself, the, the, the interviews and, and the post-match reaction. Keep your eye on, on our Twitter, at NL full-time and also subscribe to iTunes and Spotify and that'll be uploaded as well as soon as we have recorded that. Until then, thank you all for joining us and we shall see you all very soon.